You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, who's a portfolio manager at F&B Wealth and Investment. Wayne, let me go back here. I'll go back to Monday. The Dow Jones was up nearly 1,000 points. Yesterday it was down nearly 400 points, which was a natural, just a little bit of a retracement. Today it's up about 400 points, and it's all to do with the news flow of A, vaccines, and B, uh, Jerome Powell. But the last two days has been vaccine and vaccine, and we were too enthusiastic on Monday. Uh, So Tuesday we came down. Today another company has come up with something that apparently has cured a mouse or a gerbil or something, (laughs) hamster. Uh, But anyway, it's up and down all over the place. Yes. And I mean, let's take a step back. We know there's an economic catastrophe. We we know this. And we know that the world's economy in the quarter, let's call it the six months to June, not just the quarter, because China started a little bit earlier than the rest of the world. To the quarter to June, the world's economy is probably going to shrink about 4% on an annualized basis. Okay. Maybe more, maybe maybe 6% on an annualized basis, and then have a small recovery in the second six months, and for the year, it will be minus 3 or minus 4% growth. Company earnings for the year to December worldwide are probably going to shrink by 40%, more or less. Maybe maybe more, but somewhere in 40 to 50%. And company earnings and the economy is going to take, let's call it two years, to recover to where it was in December last year. Okay. Now, I know this is very theoretical and it's all sort of, I don't know, finance type stuff. But in the valuation of the stock market, if you take off those company earnings for this time period and you put that in a present value calculation, for want of a better number, call it 15%. So this, the virus and the effect of the, of the virus means that the stock market should be 15% lower than where it was in December compared, you know, taking into account the present value of the, of the diminishing or the profits that have disappeared. Okay. Now, that's quite, that's quite normal for a recession. You know, sometimes it's 20%, sometimes it's 30%, but somewhere between 15 and 25% of the valuation of the stock market has been permanently wiped out. But that's normal for any recession because that, you know, profits disappear. So therefore, whatever, whatever proportion of value those profits represented in the stock market also disappear because those earnings don't come back. You know, they, this is like an empty airline seat. If, if the airplane flies, it's gone forever. Mm. So roughly speaking, more or less, I think our stock market is at fair value just roughly speaking, taking into account everything. Yes. But overseas share markets seem to have been too enthusiastic, and we spoke about this last week as well. Now, that doesn't discount a shorter-term fall and then another recovery because I think we're going to see a shorter-term fall, and then the stock market will recover from that simply because the recovery has been too strong too quickly. But that's more of a, a timing thing. It's, 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 it's almost more of a technical thing, if you like to put it in that sort of argument. But roughly speaking, maybe the US share market is 
5 to 10% higher than what it should be. But our share market at call it 50,000 is roughly where it should be. So, you know, it doesn't represent massive value, the market as a whole, at this sort of level. It's not expensive, obviously, but it doesn't, it's not time to go fill your boots, simplistically put. Okay, so the first question, do you think then in your short-term scenario of a sell-off that we will test the lows that we saw in March, i.e., I think, March the 23rd? I don't think so, simply because the world is opening up. We didn't go into four months of lockdown. We went into two months of lockdown, and we know the economy is, is opening up. So I don't, I don't think, you know, barring one of these virus tests failing, because what we know will be headwind for the market over the next two, three months is when the physical data is reported, either in GDP or industrial production or output or consumer expenditure or company results, et cetera. So the, the, the physically the worst is over, but it hasn't yet been reported on. So the people don't know the full extent. So if you take South Africa, uh, the, the quarter to June, I mean, our economy might shrink on an annualized basis, 50%. Eh? Yeah. Okay, that's, not the, that's not the total shrinkage that has gone. You take 50 and divide by four. So 8%, our economy might physically contract by 8% in a quarter. Now, I can't, I can't remember when last we contracted by 8% in a year. You know, normally a recession is minus 3, minus 4%. You know, maybe it's even bigger than 8%. Maybe it's 12%. You know, because our forecasts are for this year, we're going to be minus 8. But we already had minus 2 in the first quarter. So if this is minus 8, then we've got to do plus 2 in the second half. But it's somewhere in that sort of region. Now, Before you go on, Wayne, how many quarters have we had now of negative GDP growth, in other words, oh, no, minus? Is, is, this, is this the third one now or the second one? Where are we? I think it's the third one. I think it was minus in December as well. I can't remember. Yes. But it was definitely because at the end of the first quarter, we were in two quarters of negative. So we were in a technical recession. Right. Well, not a te- I hate that word. We were in a recession. It wasn't technical. It was a recession. Right. At the, at the end of the first quarter. So, Yes. Okay, so we're going to be in we're going to be in probably one of the most extended periods of recession in recent South African history if we get another maybe two quarters of negative data. That's what I'm that's no, what I'm seeing the, here. The third the third quarter will not be negative of this low base. Okay, it will it will be positive. The third, the second, and third, and the whole of next year will be positive, even if it's just purely base effects. Yes, it, it's guaranteed. So next year we'll grow by five percent. And that's the prediction. But it's off a low base. Yeah. Yeah. We could easily just just off such a low base. You know, four you could easily grow four or five percent. The next year you might only grow at one and a half again. But next year you'll have a big growth because you're coming off such a low base. You know what worries me about the screen I'm looking at at the moment? That's good analysis on South Africa, by the way. What worries me about looking at my screen now where I see the S&P futures up 1.7% and they were down exactly the same yesterday and they were up 25 3% the day before, more than 3%, yes. in fact, is that when this sort of thing happens, it's almost as if there's a change of trend. People are jostling. They're, they're like you. They're saying, we've had this fantastic bounce back, but it can't last just because someone's just cured a mouse of uh, COVID-19 and that really worries me and and so I would agree with you it's just a question of the severity of the pullback yes and I for one for what it's worth I think it'll be half the this recovery we'll lose again
that will fall back to half. We'll lose half of this bounce, and then we'll see a recovery. But remember, that's just short-term timing. There are two factors no one must forget. First of all, there will be a cure. Yeah. Because this is not an unknown virus. It didn't arrive from Mars. It's part of a family of viruses that has changed in relation to other members of its family. I mean, everyone's a virus expert, every person. <laughs> but there will be a cure. It's, it is literally a question of time. And secondly, there's been more money thrown at this problem than what there was in 2008. And a significantly more, call it 40% more money has been thrown at this problem than what we had in 2008. True. And, and I listened to, a, I listened to an, an economist on the radio giving a massively long definition of what this money is. Is it the stimulus package? Was, he loved it. I mean, it was real, real <laughs> economist stuff. Is it a stimulus package or is it disaster relief? It doesn't matter, quite frankly. It makes absolutely no difference what you call it. It's a wall of money. The Federal Reserve Bank's balance sheet is 20% bigger than what it was at the peak in 2008. Mm. The Bank of Japan and the European Central Bank is way bigger. The Chinese Central Bank balance sheet is way bigger. And when I say that, when I talk about the Federal Reserve or the Reserve Bank's balance sheet, a more correct description would just be printing money. The only difference here is, Wayne, is that the money printing machine after the GFC, the global financial crisis, went to one place. To the banks, yeah. And Wall Street, which is the banks. It went into the financial system and everyone punted up stocks. This time... Joe Soap is getting $1,200 here, $6,000 there are for, a lot. for him, and, him and his family, yeah. So that's, that's going people in, into people's pockets. Yeah, so it's slightly it's different in, but, this but time. The majority, the majority of money is still going out there and buying bad debts eh? mm. to get interest rates down, which, of course, has been eminently successful in doing. I mean, the U.S. government can borrow 10-year money at 0.6%. That's ridiculous. I can't believe you just said that. 06 and, it, and the stories about it going negative that I'm sure you've heard. Yes, but Mr. Powell did say soothingly on Sunday night that they wouldn't yes. do that. But I think if Mr. Trump phones they him might up not and says, have let's, an let's option, do it. By the, way. Mm. the market is bigger than the Fed, eh? Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to happen either, mm. but it's not impossible. Yeah, who would have, who would have thought that uh, crude oil would go negative? No one could ever Correct. possibly say but that. that was, so the same thing but that happen. was very technical. That was yes. very technical on one day. Yeah, but you know the theory. You know, this is way bigger than the oil price going negative at some unknown town in the, one of the southern states in America. That was a highly, highly unusual thing. But, but you, look in, you, look in, you look in Switzerland, wherever, Germany, wherever, mm. Japan, long rates have gone negative and I'm sure their Reserve Bank didn't want that to happen, but the market, the market ultimately is actually bigger than the Fed. Mm. So as I said, you know, again, I don't think it will happen, but just because Jeremy Powell said it won't happen doesn't mean it can't. No, as you quite rightly say, you can, you can intervene in any market as much as you like, but the market will just stand back and say, okay, keep on intervening, keep on that. intervening, and then they say, right, have you finished intervening? Now we're going to, take, go again. Then we're going to take you on. Let's have a look at... Yeah, uh, I think Chris Stoltz, Chris, Stoltz, Chris Stoltz knew that, found that out in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, what was... Massively so. Weren't we something like... 
Our reserves went to minus 25 billion Ooh, or massive. something. Yeah, it was billion huge. dollars. Yes, that's right. It was dollars. Mm. Lucky enough, the RAND strengthened and we easily covered that book. Easily. Mm. So, so the, our reserve actually made money out of that, by the way, buying RANDs and selling dollars because the, the RAND actually recovered strongly after that in the new South Africa, strongly. So he actually made money for us ultimately, but at one stage we had negative reserves. Yeah. We took an overdraft with, now I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong on this, but I think the country took an overdraft with Bank of America. That overdraft was carried by a commercial bank in America. It was literally an overdraft. Anyway, that's so many years ago now. Yes, it is. We'll look it up. We'll, we'll, have, a, we'll have a historical ch- chat with you and um, David Shapiro. He should know. Um, yeah, that was when... He, he was only about 60 when that happened, because that was about 30 years ago. 63, sure I think. Yeah, I think he was, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he'll remember. It was 30 years ago. Um, <laughs> he, still had his memory. he still had his memory when he was 60. You know he listens to this uh, podcast, don't you? But, uh, ah, of course I do, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wayne, the standout set of results today came from a, a new company by the name of 91, maiden results for the year yes. ended 31st of March. And this Very share, good it, results. Good results. They came out and then the share sort of crept its way up. It was 2.5% in the first half hour, and then 45 minutes. And then with the rest of the markets doing well and everyone analysing this thing, and as we speak, 11.5% up. What a yeah, performance. Yeah. yeah. Look, in my view, and it's a difficult one to call this, in my view, Investec prior to the unbundling was just very cheap on the proviso mm. that the unbundling happened, which it did, and that the bank can get its return on assets up because the bank itself might actually be more of an opportunity than 91 because the return on assets on the bank is abysmally low. Yeah. So you've just got to tweak one or two little things there and sell off one or two loss-making operations and trim costs here and trim costs there and get that return on assets up to more or less the average of the other banks. And, I mean, your profits can triple. So there's, and there's risk. I mean, obviously there's risk involved, but there's a massive opportunity in Investec Bank as well. So the asset management grew their profits quite nicely. I think it's from 13 pence to 16 pence. The new business flow was very, very good. And the assets under management came down because the markets came down. Yeah. But it puts the company on a 13 price, historic price earnings ratio. Okay, that's gone to 14 now with the price going up today. But this morning when they announced the results, they were on a 13 price earnings ratio. Look, for a South African investor, you're going to face a little bit of uphill over the next year or so, simply because the RAND will strengthen. From this, well, it's, I don't know what it was trading at last time, it was 1804. Yeah. You know, this is probably going down to below 17 before the end of the year. So your RAND profits probably won't be as good next year as what they looked like this year. But putting all of that aside, this uh, 91 is an exceptionally good asset manager run by one of the most respected and competent chief investment officers that South Africa has ever produced. So what they do when Hendrik retires, I'm not sure, because he's not the youngster anymore. Yeah, I know, but if he was retiring, he wouldn't, be, he wouldn't be the maiden CEO. I mean, he went, he went from, from the previous company to Investec as joint CEO. 
And now, you know, if he was going to retire, he wouldn't oversee this whole process. So he's still there. I spoke yeah. to him this afternoon. Yeah. He doesn't sound any less enthusiastic than he did no, 10 no, years no. ago. No, no, no. I mean, this is a, this is a superbly fit and uh, in, a person. So I don't think he's going to. But he was, he was at Investec Asset Management and started in 91. Eh? Yes, he was. That's why it's called 91. Mm-hmm. So he's there forever. He's been there forever. And you can argue, and I think justifiably so, that he is one of the best asset managers that South Africa has ever produced. That's quite an accolade. Tiger Brands, great uh, great performance from 91, and that's been reflected in the share price, and it's been boosted, of course, uh, by the stock market going up, because it is a proxy for the market to a certain extent. Tiger Brands, though, on the other hand, has gone down over 10%. And this yes. is the sort of company that, despite the fact that we've been speaking about cures and economies bouncing back, uh, this is still going to suffer. And, and companies of its ilk will also continue to suffer, I think. Yeah. Look, I've, over the years, there's a couple of industries I just don't want to invest in, full stop. One of them is primary food producers. That is a tough cutthroat commodity index in industry. I don't know where they can add value. And obviously things have changed at Tiger Brands, but make no mistake, they've scored a couple of own goals. And in fact, the one was, I don't know, an own goal doesn't even describe it. The, the, you mean the the process, the, the process meat story. Yes. Yeah, the Listeriosa story, yeah. But also, they didn't do particularly well in their uh, African expansion either. Oh, hell no, no. They bought Dangote Dangote in Nigeria. Mm. And the the flour that Dangote produced in Nigeria was of such a poor quality that they couldn't even use it in their own biscuits that they made in Nigeria. They had to import the flour from South Africa because it wasn't up to their own. No, that that was also a catastrophe. But they're not the only person who's gone into Africa and made a, well, not necessarily Africa, who's gone outside of South Africa and made a mess. Mm. So, you know, they're not alone in that one. But the, but the, the stereosis story was just a shocker, to be honest. Yeah. And how they handled it from a PR after, where they, after they realized it was them was also just a shocker. Yeah. Okay, so and the market's going to take a long time, a long time to forgive them for. That. Yes, the market has long memories, and clearly you do as well. And you've never been a fan, and you yes. never will be a fan. Discam, before we go, Wayne, Discam uh, down yes. uh, maybe a couple of percent today. The share price below twenty. Uh, their results. It's been going down for months and months, even before the crisis. Yes. Look, I like the business concept. I, I truly do. I. And, you know, I like anecdotal evidence, as I mentioned earlier on. Yeah. And when I go to Discam, now, I haven't been to Discam during the lockdown. There's nothing I really need from them. But when I go to Discam, uh, and I go to Discam to buy tongue depressors, because they are excellent what? for tongue depressors, like a big, like a sucker stick. Okay. Because it's, it's an excellent thing for mixing glue and fiberglass. In the garage, so I go and buy these. Oh, big so you boxes don't of, you don't stick it in your mouth? You're using it to to, no, to fix your car to mix glue. Yeah, okay, because it, it's it's fantastic. Um, but besides the point, when I go to Discam, I see happy shoppers. Yeah. You know, I see people. They like looking around. People are fascinated with their own health. I'm definitely not. Well, there's people lots of colours and 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 bright. Fascinated things. with their own health and what to yes. buy, and, and if you they're buy fascinated. This, so I, 
Yeah. I go there, so I see very loyal, happy customers when I go to Disco. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've liked the concept because their concept is you sell more and more to the people who come in your door. So you've got beauty, you've got fluffy slippers. <laughs> you know, you can, you can increase your product range massively from beyond medicine because you've got the people in there and they like you. Because, I mean, you, can, you know they like you because between them and clicks, they have virtually destroyed the mom and pop pharmacy industry. I mean, if, that's a goner. If I go to Diskem or a store like it or to, or to Clicks, I go in there and I'm going in there to get, um, I'm going in to get some face cream because I'm vain yeah. and some vitamin D because I'm told that vitamin D is very good for you. I come out with a basket and I've, it's 1,200 rand later. Yes. Yeah. So, so I've always liked the concept, but the last two sets of results from Diskem were not good, eh? Look, I know the one they had, a technical issue with the pricing of their consignment stock, a very complex thing of their change, the accounting policy. And I never quite understood it. But to, in my view, the last two sets of results have not been good yet. You know, they're not going from strength to strength. And their, their, their reputation, and I know they, I think it's been settled with the competition commissioner, but their reputation in the you know, in the general public, taken a bit of the bit of a dent on the back of them being accused of price gouging during the lockdown and selling masks for four times what they sold them the month before. I know it's been settled and it wasn't. It was basically almost an admin settlement, if I remember correctly. It was a, a very immaterial amount of money they paid into the competition commissioner. But their reputation, but I still like, I still like the concept because they're just a retailer. I mean, they, they're just a retailer. They're not, they're not a hospital, you know, they're just a retailer. Yeah. But I like the concept. Very good. Wait, also, just on clicks, I mean, clicks yes. has been enormously successful for donkey's years. I still don't understand why when you go buy your bunion cream, you want to buy a toaster. I've, I've never understood that. Wayne, but it obviously works. People people go and buy bunion cream and a toaster. Wayne, um, I've, just want to, I've written a few things down here. You've spoken about, we've spoken on this interview about uh, a mouse being saved, uh, fluffy slippers, tongue depressors, bunion cream, toasters, and the best um, yeah. fund manager that South Africa's ever produced. I mean, you can't, yeah. get, you can't get podcasts like this anywhere else. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg, and that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.